Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in Studio A at Lovely Bait Tehila with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Hey, it's good to be here. It is. It is very good to be here. Man, this is Season 3, Episode 7. My mind is blown. I can't even believe that we've done six episodes already in Season 3. It's just like the tour portion, just like you know, you feel like you get older and things go faster and faster, like we're almost to the end of 2019. It's December of 2019. Let that sink in. Okay? We're already... This is Episode 7 of Season 3. I'm just like floored. We've got Hanukkah services coming up at the end of this month here at Beit Tehila. Hanukkah starts uh, this year, I believe the first night is the 22nd, if I am, you know, calculating correctly. Uh, yep, 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 first, which just so happens to be the first day of winter. Maybe it's the 23rd, I don't know. That's right, winter in Florida, it's going to be 80 degrees <laughs> instead of 100 degrees. I don't know, I was driving in my car this morning, it was 44 degrees, and that's in, in Florida. I mean, it's, that's not uh, up in Alaska that's or anything. That's right. Shout out to our people in Alaska. We know we've got some some folks up in Rich and Casey and their family up there in Alaska. We miss you. Um, the frozen chosen. The frozen. <laughs> I saw pictures of that snow. So did I. And you know it looks gorgeous on Facebook. You know what I mean? That's the real deal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. but it looks beautiful, and I just I admire it from a distance. I think. What, what does God's word say? I will scatter you. He does, and then he says he'll gather us. Yeah, and Alaska's a pretty far state. Uh, yeah, but maybe they just flip over, you know, through Russia and then go, go over to Israel. The, uh, we'll meet them in there. That's right. In the middle. So, anyways, Very moving straight. on. Uh, we are studying the Torah portion, Vayetzi, that is, he departed. Um, and this is Genesis chapter 28 and verse 10, and ending in chapter 32 and verse 3. Wow, this is incredible. Just a little reminder that uh, Genesis is a book of beginnings. And a key phrase that's found in the book of Genesis is, these are the generations of. So it's talking about a people. Now, chapters 1 through 10 is the race as a whole. And of course, uh, events predominate this and, and everything. Uh, and of course, you know, we can see the race as a whole, chapters 1 through 10. But then we get into the family of Abraham. Now, this is chapter 12 all the way through chapter 50. So as we progress through this wonderful uh, genealogy and, and the family of Abraham, of course, we have Abraham, then we have Isaac, then we have Jacob, and then we have, of course, Joseph, who gets like almost 13 chapters of the Bible. So these are incredible uh, patriarchs here, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And once again, this is the family of Abraham. And just remember that uh, if you are in Christ, you are the seed of Abraham. So we're going to jump right into the story here. Uh, just a little recap, you know, that um, Esau is going to sell his, his birthright. And then, of course, Jacob is going to steal his blessing and act like him and use deception because of his mother. And uh, the reason why I tell you this is because it's important to know the lesson to be learned here 
is that God will accomplish what he wants to accomplish. You do not have to manipulate, cheat, or steal to get it. Uh, the blessings are just there. He'll give them to you. Remember, when God opens a door, no man can close it. If God closes a door, no man can open it. If he brings you to it, he will bring you through it. Man, that was like the one-liner heaven right there, buddy. I'm just saying to all of you listening, I've, I've learned this. You know, yeah. I want to make things happen. I'm driven. Uh, there's performance. But I tell you, uh, God's going to get all the glory. It's going to be his opportunity for us. And boy, we can just rest in that. Some of you that are listening, thank you, Holy Spirit. I believe someone's listening right now, and you're, you want to try to make something happen. God has given you a word. He's given you encouragement. He's told you something. But listen. Don't manipulate it. Don't try to make it happen. You know, it's confidential. It's personal. It's something that's going on. But God will make it happen. You know, Ryan and I were just talking about this in his own personal life, even with his own children. You know, things were said or spoken with family members and someone believed it. And then, of course, what happens? It comes down the line later. Yep. You know, which is kind of interesting. Like, well, you did hear from God, but it didn't really work out like that in the beginning. We're not going to get into all the details. But I want to encourage you because, uh, you know, Jacob's got to go on the run now. And he's got to leave his mother and father, and he has got to go up and find some relatives, uh, Uncle Laban, which is Rebecca's brother. That's correct, right? Right. So uh, he's going to leave Beersheba, and he's going to go toward Haran. So Jacob traveled into the night, and he stopped to sleep using stones for pillows. There's a stirred up perfect sleeper, I think. Wow. You know what? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I think there's, I've got a MyPillow, and I'm telling you, it is not a rock, Ryan. No? Uh, no, I tell you what, this is this is why we have chiropractors. Um, <laughs> so, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and read Genesis chapter 28, uh, verses 12 and 13, because now he's going to start to have an epiphany. God's going to start to reveal himself. All right, it says here, And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. You know, so he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth. This is like a portal. Uh, where spiritual beings can go in and out. So here we have angels ascending and descending on it. Very interesting. And this is, of course, uh, you know, an interesting place uh, that we'll, we'll discuss. And so he's seeing this, you know, and angels do God's bidding, you know. They served him before we were created. We had cherubim, seraphim, all these incredible beings, all these things uh, that you can't see at a zoo today. But they are spiritual beings that were created, and so angels will do God's bidding, you know. And like Gabriel is the messenger angel, you know, and he gets a bad rap because, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, falsify his messages, mm. you know. It, it's how we got the, the Mormons, mm. you know, uh, and this is how, of course, uh, you, you've got Islam. It was the angel Gabriel. Mm. Well, I think Gabriel already gave the message. I think so. You know too. what I'm saying? So we got to be careful with that, you know. Uh, Gabriel, the messenger angel, then Michael, the archangel. So just think about that. So now there's all this activity going on, uh, and it's right there in the land of Israel, you know. And of course, um, we have a, a question here, Ryan. What in the earth will be blessed as Jacob's seed shall spread to the north, south, east, and west? Uh, it says here in verse 14 that all the families of the earth uh, will be blessed. What I think is cool about that... So is, Israel's a blessing. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and here's the cool part about it, is this same thing is promised in chapter 12, verse 3, to Abraham, and then it gets passed down through... It's passed down. ...to Isaac. So those, you know, think about it, everyone listen to this podcast. 
the Jewish people are the chosen people. Mm. I don't have time to get into all the verses and, and everything, but that's irrevocable. Right. God has promised the Jewish people these promises. Yeah, Romans 11 says the gifts and calling of God are, are without so, repentance. So with that, though, but, but of course accepting Christ is a personal decision. Right. But what I'm saying is as far as the seed of Abraham and these promises, uh, they, are, they are going to come to pass. And that's why they are in the land of Israel. That's why there is a Jewish nation. And so that's it. I mean, that's just the way it is, you know. And uh, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that they, of course, are blinded to the gospel. And that's what's happened. So it's not our responsibility to, to worry about that, you know. Right. Uh, they have to make a decision for Christ like all of us. But in the meantime, we have this mutual respect for, for Judaism and for the Jewish people. And we believe that we should come alongside them and support them. You know, there's a blessing for that. Uh, he'll bless you. If you bless his people. So once we establish that fact, we know that anti-Semitism is on the rise. Uh, there's a bunch of charges being made right now for, against the Labor Party. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn is, is, is quoted as saying some things and different things. And even some uh, Jewish people in the parliament were like they had to get out because it was so bad. So anti-Semitism is real, folks. And, uh, and it's, it's happening everywhere. So we don't want to be a part of that. We want to come against that. Okay. So now there's one cool thing here, you know, uh, as you read through the prophecies in the Torah and you know what happens to Deuteronomy, um, and then what happens in the prophets, you hear that uh, Israel will be scattered. Uh, and so when you read in um, in the historical books and like uh, in Kings and in Chronicles or whatnot, and you hear about the the splitting of the kingdom. What what kind of looks like punishment or what looks like a negative thing? That same word scattered also means sown. And so, Which is Jezreel. That's, that's right. So the, the child of uh, the son of Hosea and Gomer, the first son, Jezreel, God will scatter. Right. So check this out, though. The same promise that God made, right? So it, remember we are talking about through, through these Torah portions about how people try to finagle things or make things happen a certain way, or they want to stop the plan of God and do it their own way. Well, God uses all of this to scatter and to fulfill the promise of all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And this word blessed, um, Baruch or Barach, uh, can also be split up, in, and I won't get into all of it because you can't see, but if you look at it, um, you can see that this also means grafted in. So in you, Abraham, and then in you, Isaac, shall all the families of the earth be grafted in. So we see then that the people get spread and they get scattered all over the world. They get sown all over the world. It's almost like seeds. And guess what? Now they're being regathered. And this is why people are coming to the realization, hey, I want to do this stuff that people say is Jewish, but I'm looking at it, it just says it's biblical. And then you come to the realization, hey, I'm grafted into Israel. I'm part of Israel. I'm part of the restoration and regathering. Of the whole house of Israel. That's right. It says that people would come out of the nations that are non-Jews. And so always remember that what may look like a negative circumstance or a punishment or something— God is using that as part of his plan, and and it, it obviously has to happen in order for the plan to be fulfilled. And of course, we know the gospel had to go out to the far ends of the earth, Yes, and that's happened pretty much. So we're going to move on in this incredible story. So after Jacob woke up, he called the place the house of God and the gate of heaven. Mm. Uh, I know Elie Marzulli, I'm, I'm putting a plug in for him, but if you ever want to check out some of his stuff, very interesting. We actually had him uh, come and share for our weekend like conference and it was off the charts and uh and so we actually even have those dvds in the marketplace if you're interested to, to call us and we'll ship them to you if you want to buy them but uh it was an incredible time with la marzulli but once again when you, when you when you see jacob saying this is the gate of heaven that's a portal 
Yeah. You know, uh, and so that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, and, and that's what's really, really, really cool. So Jacob took the stone that he used as a pillow. He set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. Now remember what what is what does oil do? It's 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 to anoint someone. That's right. It means to set apart. Right. You're anointing something to set it apart. I love to anoint people. Oh, yeah. Uh, just like your your little baby girl, you know, we 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 anointed her, separated her, you know, uh, and that's very important to understand. When you put oil on somebody, you were saying you are separated, sanctified, and set apart, and that that is something that is like a principle. That's right. Because this is before the priesthood. It before is before Aaron and everything. So think about that. that. Was good. We just picked up on that. Well, and here's what's I el- like that. here's what else is cool, right? So, um, you know, you read in Paul's writings, and he talks about um, the the rock that followed them in the wilderness and all these right. things. That it, and, and who does he say it is? He says it's Christ. He says it's Messiah. Well, what is what does Mashiach mean in Hebrew? The anointed one. It means anointed one. The anointed here one. he is, anointing. I mean, come on. You That's can't make stuff. this stuff up, right? And you know, so here, here he is. He's on the run. He's got nobody. He's, on, right. he's on his own. Yeah. He's got no service. He's got nothing. But Jacob made a vow that if God would be with him on his journey to provide bread to eat, raiment to put on, which is clothing, and bring him back to his father's house in peace, then he would give a tenth back to him. So he knows he's got to leave. Yeah. But the whole situation is that he's going to be able to come back. You know, matter of fact, Rebecca made it sound like, well, as soon as he gets over his anger, you can come back. But boy, this is going to be not true. But he said he would give a tenth back to him, and that's the tithe. A tenth is a tithe. Uh, there's the principle, folks. This is before the, the tabernacle of Moses, before the temple. Remember, tithing is a principle. And of course, Abram did it in Genesis 14, 20. Uh, Jacob has done it, of course, in uh, Genesis 28, 22. Uh, and matter of fact, if you could check out Leviticus 27, 30, Ryan, on behalf of all the tribes and the house of Israel, let's check out Leviticus 27, 30. It says here, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Awesome. Now go to Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. So once again, tithing is a principle. You know, I'm a pastor. My wife's a pastor, Pastor Nick, Pastor Danielle, and she's over the children's ministry and everything. But let me tell you something. We tithe. It's yeah. a principle. You know, some people would say, well, if you're the pastor, you don't have to tithe. No, we, we tithe. We give offerings because uh, it's a principle. And, and Beit is a storehouse. And I'll tell you, without giving, we wouldn't have this podcast. Okay. Yeah. And that's a little plug right there. We just would not have it because we need the microphones. We got to have a place to do it. You know, we got rent. I mean, all these things. But go ahead and check out Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, the principle of tithing. It says here, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, and there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now there herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. You, you know, Ryan, I, I want to put a put a statement out there that that's public records, but they have proven that those that attend church and give are healthier and wealthier than those that don't. 
Oh, nice. Now listen, this is a this is public public records. You can look it up. I think it's Duke University. Where you can look it up for yourself. You know, going to church makes you healthier and wealthier uh, in giving. You know, uh, because remember, when you quit giving, you have forgotten what has been given to you. Well, so there's, and that's why there's a lot of attacks against this. But I'm telling you, it's a principle, everyone. And, and God says, even prove me. Yeah. You know. Oh, for sure. So, well, I mean, there's a couple things here. Um, not the least of which, though, most of the people listening to this are, are kind of have a bend towards the Hebrew roots movement. There is a teaching out there that there is no such thing as a tithe today because you cannot tithe. Let me just go ahead and state for the record my personal position, and maybe Pastor Nick may agree with me, but my position is that's garbage theology. Here's why. Right here, before we have the Levitical priesthood set up, before we ever have a temple or a tabernacle or anything, we have Abraham giving a tithe, and we have uh, Jacob here giving a tithe. Now, Pastor Nick, who did Jacob give his tithe to? Good question. It's a good question. That is a good question. We don't know who he gave his tithe to or how he expressed his tithe. He says, I'm going to give this 10% back to you. Back to who? Back to Yahweh. When you tithe, whether at the temple or at your local church or storehouse, you are not giving to man-made institutions. You are not giving to men. You are giving to God himself, and you're giving to his plan. What happens with those funds from there forward is the responsibility of the stewards of that house. Woe to those who misuse God's treasury. Amen? It's going to be a little late to discover that, though, you know? It is, but I'll tell you what. After reading the prophecy in Malachi uh, 3, 8 through 11, I would not be the person arguing that the tithe is done away with. I want to be on record that God, you know what? You gave me everything that I have. Doesn't it say you're cursed? You gave me everything (laughs) that I have. Yeah. And what I'm going to do, all you ask for is a small percentage 10%, in re- wow. 10% that's, in that's return. Good, Ryan. Now, would you rather have 100% of $100 or 10% of 100,000 or a million? It's easy math, right? But the point is is that you would rather have 90% blessed than 100% cursed. Yeah, Amen? that's a good point. And I just it's one of those things where like I I show up to church every week, we're here every time the doors are open. I love Bait Tehila. I love this community. And so I give of what I have. Why? Because I'm compelled to through love for for Yahweh and for love for this community for being a part of it. And I just, I can't imagine somebody trying to come up with a way to just finagle their way out of the tithe. And I see it. I see it on these Hebrew roots, like Facebook pages and stuff, where they post these memes about how like, oh, I'm going to walk a, a sheep up the down the aisle and see what they say to that. And it's like, you know what? It's sarcasm. It's silliness. Um, it's a principle that God has given you everything and all he's asking for in return is that small portion uh, of what you have. And so I just, I personally believe that it's a, it's an important piece of the puzzle. Uh, it's human nature to be stingy, to not want to give. Uh, and so God is trying to, that's the to evil eye. Well, he's trying the evil to, eye is stinginess. he's trying to get something to you, not take something from you. He doesn't need, he doesn't need Jacob's grain. He doesn't need Jacob's cattle. He doesn't need, uh, the blood of bulls and goats. He doesn't need any of this stuff, right? Uh, what he needs is for your heart to be in a place where you're humbled before him and you're willing to give everything to him and at least give him what he's required. Amen. That's awesome. I'm sorry, I went on no, a little bit No, we're going to move there. on, man, because like I said, tithing is a principle. <laughs> look at the principle. So many times we look at do's and don'ts, but listen, and the commandments of God. But try to find the principle, and that's the, that's the blessing. Yeah. So uh, he takes his journey from, uh, from, from, from Bethel. Where does he end up? He ends up at a well. He does. Uh, and so... Everything uh, cool in the Bible yeah, happens at a well. That's it. So Jacob asked the men near the well if they knew Laban. 
the son of Nahor, and they did. They informed Jacob that Laban's daughter Rachel would be coming to the well to water her father's sheep. Now, we, we see a story of about a well already in here. Can I kind of go over it with you? Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, found Isaac's bride, Rebekah, at a well in Genesis chapter 24, verses 15 through 19. A water source. It's so important. And of course, we also find in Exodus chapter 2, uh, Moses goes to a well and ends up you know, finding Jethro's daughters. Uh, and then he ends up marrying Zipporah. Uh, and don't forget, Yeshua met the Samaritan woman at the well. He sure did. And she was married five times and currently with another guy. Yeah. And she, he just read her mail. And I love that. And he went during the day, in the heat of the day. Nobody else was around. That was taboo. Oh, yeah. So so think about it. So, so the well is, is a very, very important place uh, hanging out at the water cooler. So let's let's move on here. And let's see what else we have here. Uh, and of course, you know, here, here it is. So, so here's a great question, Ryan. What did Jacob do after seeing Rachel enrolling the stone from the well to water the flock? So he kisses her. And then he lifts up his voice and weeps. So he's so excited. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. You know, these are these guys standing around the well, giving her a hard time. Like, no, no, no. We got to wait till everybody else gets here. And, and he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. There's a babe here. Let me let me push this rock off this well and give her some water. And know? I'm telling you, you know, this is where we get kissing cousins. Oh. Because look, when <laughs> Jacob told Rachel that he was related to her, she ran to tell her father. Yeah, I would too. You know? if, if and, your cousin and, and kisses so, you, yeah. go tell your father. And so Jacob received a warm welcome from Laban, and after a month, discussed his wages. Now, we know a little bit about Laban from the past. Oh, yeah. That when Eliezer the servant approached the family, he was all excited. The mm. bling bling was there. Oh, yeah. The riches, the everything. I mean, I mean, the guy comes with some service, I guess, 10 camels, you know, oh, which yeah. is interesting. And so uh, Laban means to be made white. Remember that. Yep. Laban means to be made white, but we're going to find out that he's a little bit of a shady character. Laban. And so, of course, uh, he has two daughters, and, and Leah was the elder who was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. We would say, ooh la la. That's right. And there's there's some say. debate over what tender-eyed means. We had a big old That's debate true, about you that. Know? But it does describe Rachel as beautiful and well-favored. There's clearly a contrast between the two, right? So one is tender-eyed, whatever that means, and the other one is beautiful and well-favored. It leads you to believe tender-eyed means something not as right. pretty. Now, now here's, here's the... Here's, uh, two points to be made. Uh, we know that Rebecca and Isaac were not happy with Esau's uh, choice of wives. Yeah. The the Heatites. Right. And then, of course, what did he do? He ended up er- marrying Ishmael's daughter. So what I'm trying to tell you is that not only did, did Jacob have to escape to save his life, right. thank God, but he also needed to find uh, a wife the, among the family that would, you know, believe like they believed and, and that would carry on this this promise from Abraham Isaac to Jacob. And he, of course, definitely received the blessing. Matter of fact, even, even Isaac blessed him before he left again. That's right. You know, and so th- that is so important. And so anyway, uh, what else is happening here? Oh, this is it. Uh, once again, Jacob received a warm welcome from Laban and after a month discussed his wages. So now he's getting settled in here. That's one of the uh, bullet points. And of course, we got a description of the two daughters. And so uh, Jacob was willing to work for Laban to marry his younger daughter, Rachel, for seven years. They made this agreement. And Laban says, that's a great, that's great. Let's do it. So Jacob had been there for a month and now they start discussing his wages. Mm. What, what is he, he going to do? And he was willing to work seven years for Rachel. So Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. Yeah. Look at that. Seven years. Seven years is a long time. That's a long time. (laughs) That I may go in unto her. 
And then, of course, uh, in the evening after the feast, uh, Laban took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, who then went in unto her. So they had a big feast and a party, and there was drinking and everything. And it also says in here that Laban gave Zilpah to Leah for a handmaid. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting uh, if you if you watch anything with the monarchy or the crown or Downton Abbey, you'll see that the uh, the matriarch or the queen or the lady of the house will have a maid. So this is kind of interesting. Yep. Uh, someone to help you, right? And uh, and of course, the next morning, Jacob accused Laban of beguiling him by giving him Leah instead of Rachel. <laughs> Laban responds by saying that in his country, you do not give the younger before the firstborn. Wow. So there's a lot in here, right? Yeah. Um, a couple of things. Uh, how how do you mistaken one person for another on your wedding night? They didn't right? have lights back then. Well, exactly right. So there's a couple of things here. I would say that, um, you know, the marriage ceremony that we have today, I don't know what the marriage ceremony looks like back then. There's a lot of talk about veils. I've heard that. But um, that's why... You open the veil and lift the veil. That's right. <laughs> you want to make sure you got the right one. Yeah, you don't want to have a, a Laban happen That's to you. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so check this out. So, uh, if you've ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, right? And so uh, there's a scene in there in the the old movie. Have I remember. you seen it again since the hurricane? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't seen you it since. Still Irma. remember that movie? I do from, from Hurricane. It Irma. made an impact on me. We we took shelter and watched Fiddler on the Roof. That's what you do. <laughs> we'll do it again next hurricane season. All right. So, no. so uh, he, you know, the guy comes to him and uh, and wants to marry his daughter, right? And so, what do they do? They drink and they hang out and they have a big thing, right? Uh, the daughter was not even there, you know. So clearly, in this portion, it's possible to think that um, it was dark and Jacob was inebriated by the time it came time to uh, to consummate this 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 covenant, right? And by that point, you know, he, he didn't know what was going on. There's also another theory that uh, while Leah was the older of the two, that they may have been some sort of twins, uh, that they may have looked similar, and that in the dark, you might not be able to distinguish them. That's interesting. Right? Uh, and then there's the question of what does tender-eyed mean? Does it mean she had a lazy eye? Like, they looked exactly the same, but maybe she had a lazy eye, something like that. So there's a lot of, lot of different, different ideas. The bottom line is that Jacob was fooled by Laban. Laban knew what he was doing, and he got fooled. And we're going to see what she looks like in heaven. We are, and he's getting—he's getting kind of, kind of a little taste of his own medicine here, right? Because what did he do? He goes into his father, who you know, his can't, name means supplanter, right? Can't see very well, but I mean, you know, and he—he he fools his father, you know, obviously under the under the. Um, but he's you know honoring his mother, honoring his mother, because he didn't want that curse to be on him. And ends up, and now he's coming, and guess what? He gets the quote-unquote firstborn blessing, right? Because he gets that's right the firstborn daughter. Because he already has from a bowl of soup that he's the firstling. That's right. He gave it up. That's right. That's know? right. And so once again, that's that's very interesting. Now, why do we say this and bring this out? Remember, Rebecca knew because God told her. There's two different kinds of people in your room, two nations, two different kinds of people. There's a contrast there. Oh, and by the way, the elder will serve the younger. So she gets that word, yeah. Ryan. And that's really what this whole theme is about in this Torah portion. God has shared us great truth. Let me tell you something, all of you. The Hebrews of the Christian faith is a phenomenon in the earth right now, but it gets hijacked. It's been hijacked. It's been misrepresented, misquoted, and all these speculations. And then there's even racism. There's prejudice. Yep. Because, you know, you think about Joseph's coat of many colors, you know. There's all these different ethnic groups that are actually coming back to the Commonwealth of Israel. Mm -hmm. And even Hayovel is witnessing this 
from the people coming out of the nations to do the harvest, the pruning, the planting. Of course, you're going to the pruning. So as this story unfolds, you know, Jacob, you know, you reap what you sow. That's right. So he deceived, so now he's deceived. That's right. You know, and of course, he's like, well, what do I got to do to get Rachel? Serve him another seven years. Yikes. And so Laban gave Bilhah to Rachel for a handmaid. So now you've got Leah and Rachel, Bilhah and Zilpah, and, you know, and, and here you have it. And it says right here, Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. You know, that's a true fact. It's kind of like even favoritism. We talked about that in the Torah portion, right? Isaac, man, he really liked Esau. He loved Esau. But Rebecca loved Jacob. He was the mama's boy. So we can see that some of you listening to this podcast, you know that there was favoritism in your family because you witnessed it. You know that you witnessed it. And maybe the parents don't admit it, but I didn't really grow up in that. Neither did my wife. Um, so we, we didn't grow up. Uh, with favoritism. She, she's got a younger sister. I got a younger brother. My dad loved us equally. I didn't feel like, you know, mom always did like you best, which is from the Smothers Brothers for you that are... The Smothers Brothers. Uh, yeah, for you baby boomers out there, you know what I'm talking about. The Smothers Brothers. Mom always did like you best. You got to get that and listen to the uh, that, that routine there. It's really good. Um, but when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Man. Genesis 29, 31. You know, and this is what's so interesting, you know, there was a struggle for Rachel there. She really struggled, you know, and, all, and th- this whole story unfolds because now kids are going to start coming. And the references are in Genesis chapter 29, verse 32, all the way through chapter 30 and verse 24, you're going to have these children. And then, of course, this little, the, the last child is Benjamin found in Genesis 35, 18. So here is the, uh, the lineage here, Ryan. Uh, Leah is going to have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and then Dina. Mm. Zilpah, Leah's handmaid, is going to have Gad and Asher. Rachel is going to have Joseph and Benjamin. And then her handmaid is going to have Dan and Naphtali. Right. So here is the family. So literally, uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, then Dina are, are, of course, Leah's children. And then, of course, uh, we know Rachel only has Joseph and Benjamin. And then we know later on she's going to die in, in, in childbearing. Uh, and, of course, that's an interesting story in and of itself. You know, as you, as you see these interesting things, you know, Benjamin is the only child that's born outside, uh, you know, actually, uh, it's the only child born in Israel. So everybody else was born outside the land of Israel. Right. So if you think about the house of Israel... It's not just Israel and the children being born, even among the Jewish people. So something to think about. All of the children of Jacob were born outside the land of Israel, except for Benjamin. And then he's kind of like a picture of the Messiah because, you know, Ben-Oni versus Benjamin, yep. son of my sorrow, which is what Yeshua suffered, right. versus the son of my right hand. Right. So, so Jacob wanted to give him that name. Uh, son of my right hand. And then, of course, you know, uh, this story unfolds. It's very, very interesting, especially this whole genealogy. So you're going to see how things develop, how things uh, move forward. It seems Reuben should have got the birthright, but he didn't. No, he went down the line. He defiled his father's bed. So he did some things. And so um, do you want to read that? Second Chronicles chapter five, verses one and two. That's an interesting a uh, couple scriptures it there. It really is, man. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I hadn't known that one until uh, you showed it to me. And I, I can't even, it, now it's etched in my mind. 
Oh man, um, it is as it far is, as the firstborn and everything. It's First Chronicles, I think. Birthright. Actually, First is Chronicles it First Chronicles five, five one and two? I think so. Let me look. Uh, yes, it is. So First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter five verses one and two coming at you live. Public reading of scriptures. All right. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn. But for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler. But the birthright was Joseph. And you know, Ryan, just to keep it simple, Paul talks about the olive tree. He says there's wild branches and there's natural branches. That's right. So we as non-Jews coming out of the nations, simply put, we are grafted into the olive tree. And Yeshua is the root of the olive tree. And I think where people go wrong in Hebrew roots is the root. Yeah. Because Yeshua is the root. Amen. So just think about it, everybody. But see, but this requires a right action. Right. Okay. You're not a banana. You're not a coconut. You're an olive. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, so if the olive tree is Israel, then you would be drawn to the things that are Israel. Yeah. You know, falafel for everybody. Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, and this is just a little side note, and maybe I'm the only one that thinks this is funny, but uh, most of the verses that I just mentioned are in parentheses, right? It's just a parenthetical statement, uh, which clearly there's no parentheses in the Hebrew. I don't need an email about that. Um, but in the King James, there is. And there's a colon after Joseph's name. So there's like a little smiley face after this statement. It says, you know, for Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's smiley emoji. I'm just... You know, it's interesting. That's Emojis are in the Joseph's Bible. Joseph's coat of many colors. Remember that. So he was going to be preeminent. Remember that? Well, no, absolutely. And and we're not. We've gone into it over the past couple podcasts. It's not the bloodline, right? It's not about. It's not the bloodline. The bloodline. I'll tell you what. I, I I thought it had some Hungarian. I mean, I guess it's Eastern European. I guess, but but I found out I'm an old chap, pretty much. You know, mm-hmm. uh, doing those DNA tests. So let's move on here because we want to try to keep this podcast, you know, a little bit under an hour if we can. So this is something, and you read out Joseph. Yeah. Now check this out, everyone. In Genesis 30, 25, why don't you go ahead and read that verse, Ryan? Genesis 30, 25. This is very interesting. After the birth of Joseph, something's going to happen. After Joseph is born. So, and it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I may go unto mine own place to my country. So all of a sudden now, when Joseph is born, Mm -hmm. right, which is going to be... He's going to get the birthright. Right. And then it's going to go to Ephraim right. through his grandkids. So here's the thing, uh, Jacob's grandchildren. So here's the thing. Send me away that I may go into my own place into my country. So now all of a sudden you've got all these non-Jews, people listening to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Not Jewish at all. Didn't have nothing to do with Jewish people. Now all of a sudden they're drawn to Israel. They're drawn to things that are Jewish because it's time to come home. We take a trip to Israel. You're like, wow, you know, and then you stay over there. You're like, man, I could live here. Everybody says it. Oh, man, I I would love to live here, you know, but it's all God's timing. And that's why this government in Israel is very interesting. The parliament is not working, you know, and what's happening is there's a stranglehold on like visas and to make Aliyah. Oh, yeah. It's very limited. It's very strict. The immigration part of it. So I'm just, I'd like to submit that maybe the visas can be extended. Maybe there's going to be a chance that Christians can make Aliyah and get over there and do something. I mean, think about it. So let's look at this. So after Jacob had produced an increase in Laban's flocks and cattle, he wanted to increase his own. Okay. So so Laban was taking advantage of him. They made an agreement. Uh, Jacob actually performed like he was supposed to. 
So Jacob set apart three days' journey between his flock and Laban's flock. And the five things that Jacob increased in after separating his flock from Laban's flock was cattle, maidservants, menservants, camels, and donkeys. And of course, Jacob used creative ways to reproduce his flocks. You're going to find this in Genesis 30, verses 35 through 42. We're not going to get into all of that, uh, you know, the fertility clinic. Um, but it's interesting that well, he definitely used uh, he used some situations. Now, the reason why I say that, Ryan, and, and you could interject here, but sure. that's chapter 30. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, Scripture interprets Scripture. So the story kind of unfolds as we go into, of course, uh, you know, we're going to see some things here. But what do you have to say about that to this point before we get to the angel of the Lord appearing to him? Well, listen, I'm uh, I'm no expert in husbandry, right? But uh, we have this thing, This every once in a while, there's a lot of pregnant women here at Bait to Heal. It just, it kind of comes in droves. And we make this thing about, you know, if you're not looking to get pregnant, stay away from the water fountain. Yeah. You know what I mean, there might be something in the stay water. Stay away from the well. And so we don't know what he did with the rods. You know, there's, there's different theories and stuff. But, um, you know, people have said that, you know, they put the the peeled wood into the water. It makes something in the water and then the sheep, uh, you know, have like a, a pH balance in their bodies. There's all kinds of theories, right? Which is kind of cool. And me having had, you know, a lot of sheep in the past and now having goats, um, you know, it gives me some ideas. You know, I can go go take the little recipe from the Bible and, and maybe have some success with husbandry. What do you think? That is interesting. You know, I mean, why not? And, and, and I'm going to break this down for you. You know, and, and if, if, you, if you find an edit or, or, or correction, please let me know. Please respond back. But, um, I haven't done a great uh, you know, amount of studying, but I wanted to just get the gist of this so you understand the bullet points here. Uh, in, in Genesis chapter 31, it says, Jacob runs away from his uncle. That's the, that's the caption there. It's kind of interesting. So Laban's sons were jealous of Jacob's increase, and Laban's countenance was not toward him as before. Mm. So once again, jealousy. Here we go. Remember, the Philistines were jealous right? Okay, of, of Isaac's wealth. You know, and so, uh, and the Lord said unto Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Okay. And so, uh, the two things that Jacob told his, his two wives that Laban had done to him was, Hey, listen, man, your dad deceived me. He's changed my wages 10 times. That's right. There's that 10, right? Which is a minion. Which is a if minion. I find 10 righteous men, I'll spare the city. And yep. that's where you get 10... Jewish men uh, coming together to, to pray publicly or whatever. They needed 10 to do that successfully. Yeah. You can pray by yourself or do some prayer books. But but in order to pray in public, you have to have 10 men. That's where you get the minion. Uh, Eliezer takes 10 camels. Yeah, they also need a 10 uh, minion to, to bring the Torah out for yeah. at the synagogue. That's good. And so 10 is interesting. Also, 10 days of all. Uh, of course, you have uh, 10 is another interesting number in, in a lot of ways. Because I guess, I guess, what other tens do we find in the Bible? I'm trying to think real quick here. There was a minion. The ten tribes. Ten, said the, the ten, ten tribes that, that they're not lost. God knows where they're at. Uh, but ten is an interesting number. Um, so Jacob chose from the cattle those that were speckled, spotted, and brown for himself. Mm. Okay. He also chose from the flocks. So when you, whenever you see the word kind, K-I-N-E, that's cattle. So he also chose from the flocks those that were speckled, spotted, and brown as well. The rest would belong to Laban. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to take these that are kind of rare. They're not the majority. And right. this is what I'm going to do. And as a result, Laban's flock and cattle decreased while Jacob's increased. Man. Okay. So an angel of God came to Jacob in a dream to confirm the increase of his cattle 
and flock. Yeah, and so you got to think that's that awesome. Throughout this process, um, Jacob is trying to say, okay, these ones are going to be my wages, and these ones are yours, Laban's. And so he he flips the script on them ten times. Uh, and so Jacob, after doing all of this, and every time he he changes the wages, whatever was Jacob's ends up increasing. Uh, and it gets confirmed uh, by by Yahweh to Jacob. And remember, they're separated three days. Oh yeah, no, they're not. They're even separated close to by each other. three days, so you can see a contrast. Yes, for sure. You know that's the thing. So Ryan, why don't you go ahead and take question number twelve or fill in the blanks number twelve on our outline here, and just follow through and finish up this page. Okay, so it says uh, in chapter thirty-one and verse thirteen, "I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointedest the pillar, and where thou vowedest a vow unto me." Now arise, get thee out of this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. So here's God coming to, um, coming to Jacob and saying, "Hey, I'm the God. Remember me from Bethel. Remember that vow you made. All right, remember, <laughs> remember what you said. It's payback time. Uh huh. And so Leah and Rachel were in agreement with Jacob about leaving their father behind. Uh, as Jacob's family was leaving, Rachel stole her father's images or his idols while he was shearing his sheep. So. Uh, here we go. Um, you know, we know that this deception kind of came from Rebecca, right? Who was the sister of Laban, and it was in Laban a little bit. And now here comes deception. That's that side of the house, right. Joseph's side. Right, right. Yeah, so I, I got a little note here. The house of Joseph or Israel has a problem with idolatry. It's not Judah. It's 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 us. Because remember that in the northern kingdom, they set up two golden calves. Oh, yeah. And the mixed multitude comes out of Egypt. That's right. They had a lot to do with the golden calf. So just just food for thought. Yeah. So she she ends up stealing um, the idols while he's uh, you know distracted sharing his sheep. Uh, Jacob. Um, so Jacob passes over a river. So now they're leaving in verse twenty one. Jacob's passing over the river and setting his face toward Mount Gilead. Um, and at Laban finally realizes three days later that Jacob is gone with his daughters and with his family, and it takes him uh, seven days to catch up to him at Mount Gilead. So. Uh, so what does God say to Laban uh, in a dream about Jacob? When he's on his way, he says, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. So in other words, don't bless him, don't curse him. God comes to people in dreams, doesn't That's he? That's right, he does. And Remember in the past? And sometimes you don't know, maybe you didn't get the revelation, but maybe the person who was supposedly your enemy got the word from the Lord, you know? And so uh, obviously Laban is upset. Uh, he accuses Jacob of stealing the idols from his house. Um, and uh, actually somebody brought up, and I don't, I can't confirm this or, or not, but they were talking about how uh, either traditionally or the, or the way that, um, you know, inheritance law worked uh, back then in kind of Chaldean society in Haran was that uh, whoever had the family idols was getting the you know the inheritance or the firstborn blessing or so something. Laban had sons related so to it. Rachel's he did. Which, to pull a fast one, isn't she? That's interesting. Oh yeah, I Ooh. told you the deception piece, right? If you know, think so about it. If you it. deceive, you marry deceived. Oh man, and well, and we see again. Remember Rebecca, you know, set up Isaac. I'm sorry, set up Jacob to do the deception. But then Rebecca is Laban's sister, so we see both Laban now. Laban's deceiving him, Jacob. But then now we have Rachel, who's Laban's daughter. That's right. Laban and Rebecca are related. Working on a... There's a family curse. Uh, I'm telling you, this deception wow. thing, it, it all goes counseling. together. Where's Dr. Phil? Yep, yeah. So, um, so uh, Jacob tells Laban that his reason for running um, from, from Laban, when Laban finally catches up with him, was that he was afraid that if he wanted to leave, that Laban was going to take away his daughters from him and, and take his wives back. So what does verse 32 say? It says this. It says with... Genesis 31, 32. Right. 
That's right, 3132. Um, this is uh, Jacob speaking to Laban in response to the charge that he stole the idols. You know, uh, Jacob thinks that, you know, here comes Laban again, the guy that jerked me around all these years, uh, you know, swapped the daughters, changed my wages 10 times, and now he's coming and accusing me of stealing his idols, which I did not do. And this is what Jacob says. He says, with whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Before our brethren, discern thou what is thine with me, and take it to thee. And here we go. For Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. You know, because I want you to carry on with this, Ryan, this theme here. But remember what what Herod said. Mm. He promised, hey, whatever you want, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. Mm. To the the daughter of the mother who danced before him. Right, right. And, and she, she says, goes to the mother, what should I ask? What should I ask? Uh-huh. For the head of John the Baptist. Oh. Why? Because Herod had married his brother's wife. Yeah. And see, this is another thing to think about real quick. You know, John the Baptist called him out in public. He embarrassed him. Now, I'm not saying that John the Baptist had the right to do that, but did he? Mm. Yeah. But he lost his head. Remember when, when Jesus found out, he wept. Yeah, that's right. So, so what I'm saying is that be careful what you say. Yeah. Because you got to be a man or woman of your word. That's right. So, so continue on in the story. Just something to think about, you know. And Herod grieved over that because he listened to John. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he had to take his head off Ooh, on a yikes. silver platter, yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, and times, aren't as, times were bad back then. Oh, man. People say, oh, it's the worst now than ever. Well, I don't yeah. know. There's some Oh, you don't like Trump? Uh, he's not cutting anybody's head off. <laughs> Check out some of the storylines of World War II with the Japanese and the Germans, what they oh, did. Oh, man, it's nuts. That's just what? It's 19, nuts. In the 40s. Yeah. The that's, atrocities. That's within the last hundred years. I mean, years. I'm watching uh, World War II in color on Netflix. Oh, I saw that on there. Yeah. It is so good. Yeah. I'm telling everyone, check it out. It's a little plug. Yeah. But man, you learn so much. Yeah, for sure. You know that how, how God's in control and how these things unfold. Just, just, just little things happen. Yeah. That can turn the war. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. So let's continue on in the story. Yeah, I know the uh, the baby boomers are real interested in uh, World this War II. This is for history. all you baby boomers. <laughs> Um, all right. So, all right. So now he, uh, Jacob tells, uh, Laban, you know, whoever, uh, has them, you know, let them not live because Jacob doesn't know that Rachel had stolen them. And so what does Laban do now? He goes and he searches, uh, Jacob's tent. And so he goes to Leah's tent. He goes to the two maidservants tent, but he does not find the idols. And so finally he goes to Rachel's tent and she's sitting on, uh, the camel's furniture and this, and she had hidden the, so he had checked Jacob's tent, Leah's tent, Zilpah's tent, and Bilhah's tent. The two maidservants, yep. but doesn't find them. So he's going to hit Rachel's. So now he's, he's a Rachel. thorough guy. Oh yeah, this is serious. This is like me trying to find my remote. <laughs> I mean, I was checking, searching. It was in the couch the whole time. Yeah, yeah, and and here it's in the couch as well. And they lost it again. Oh stop! And I went back after it, and I found it in the chair. Oh my goodness! I'm just telling you, you don't let up. Yeah, you need to like hang it from a string from the ceiling or something. You know? Yeah, put a chain on it. Yeah. <laughs> Like a pen at the counter, you know, put some barbed wire on that thing. Um, all right. So, so Laban, uh, comes into Rachel's tent. She's sitting on, uh, the camel's furniture and she had hidden the, the idols underneath it. And she tells him that she cannot get up because she's on her menstrual cycle. And so time he, of the month, right, right. So he searches the rest of the tent and does not find them. So it's my understanding that, um, Laban walks away not finding the idols. Oh, and Jacob's feeling pretty good right now. Right, Jacob's vindicated and all that. Um, but uh, I would I would just venture to say that um, 
that she doesn't get away with this. Uh, this is something that, that she doesn't exactly uh, walk away from unscathed. Uh, the, the things that you hide in secret, you want to put them out in the open because that takes away the enemy's ability to hold it against you later on. Because how many times are you going to, how many times do you have to hide this in the future to keep it now from Jacob as well, right? So uh, was Jacob angry with Laban because he served uh, 20 years and felt cheated? Absolutely. Um, you know, 20 years is a long time to get jerked around by an employer. Um, and, you know, it's funny, we were talking last night about, if you've ever been uh, working at a job and in that job, you know, you probably stayed a little longer than you should have. Maybe you were ready to leave and you just, you know, and how productive are you from you the know, time that you're not I feeling good about it? somebody that was hanging in there when they should have left. <laughs> yeah, I know that person. Yeah, you know, maybe we I talked about that. Yeah, I've been there. Um, so uh, Laban takes the initiative to make a covenant with Jacob. And it involves uh, the following. He says uh, that Jacob will not afflict his daughters and that Jacob will not take on any more wives and that Jacob and Laban will not harm one another. So just when you make a, an agreement or a covenant, right, with somebody, uh, usually the parties have uh, different um, things that they want. And in this case, uh, Laban wanted Jacob to promise that you won't take on any wives and you won't hurt my daughters. Um, and that in return, you know, obviously Laban is not going to harm Jacob and then vice versa, Jacob wouldn't harm Laban. And so uh, Jacob offers a sacrifice on the mount uh, and called his brethren to eat bread, and they tarried there all night. So, um, so here's the question: Is what did Laban do when he rose up in the morning? What? What did Laban? Number sixteen. What did Laban do oh, when he rose up in the morning? I'll, I'll do, do it. I'll do it. He you. kissed his sons and daughters. He blessed them and returned to his place. Oh. You know, this is interesting. You know, we we always try to avoid family and different things. We're going to yeah. talk about this in a little bit. But uh, what I want to say is this: Laban initiated the covenant or the agreement. He did for sure. You know, we need to understand that that we want to come to to an agreement with our family somehow, some way. Yeah. You know, and I know even in my own family. There's sibling rivalry. There's things that are happening, things that are said and done, uh, you know, relationships that are broken in our families. Right. But we got to really hope for restoration. We got to keep praying and believing and tear down those walls and those strongholds, you know, because it's just not worth it. No, you know, as you, as you look at this unfolding, you know, especially with Jacob and Esau, now Jacob and Laban, all this stuff is going down, right? And so here, here's the question, right? Let me throw this out to you. Why is it so important to try and get along with your family? You know, it was because you brought, can't pick your family. You really can't. You pick can your pick family. your friends, yeah, but you can't pick your family. Well, and back then we were talking about how you know back then in a in an agrarian society, family was very important from just a logistical standpoint. You know, somebody's got to go help us harvest the wheat, right? Somebody's got to help us milk the cow. Somebody's got to help us with the flocks and the herds. You know, there there's all of these these pieces of the puzzle, and so you know, being blessed with many family members and a tight knit community was very very important. Today, it's of spiritual importance more than it is of logistical importance, right? Um, yeah, the nuclear family, husband, wife, and kids is the ideal way to raise children, and it is also an economic structure uh, that supports both the husband and the wife. And uh, all of that is important, but getting along with your family is important for one really main reason. God wants to glorify himself by blessing families. And it's the model that he uses throughout scripture. All through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All of the clans, all the ethnic And that's groups. mishpacha in Hebrew. That's right. So let's get on to Genesis chapter 32. There's only three verses here. And this title is, of course, Jacob prepares to meet Esau. Ooh. Now he doesn't know how this is going to go down. He does so not. just imagine. And, and, and I want to put a, a, a little statement out there for all you listening to the podcast. 
we have to be careful that we're not hard on these biblical people. Oh, yeah. The matriarchs and the patriarchs. I'm going to tell you why. Because you know what? There's a little bit of Esau in all of us. There's a little bit of Judas Iscariot or, or even Pontius Pilate. You know, I wash my hands of that. Have you ever said that? Where, where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. Oh, they made their bed. Let them lay in it. You know, and so we've got to be very, very careful uh, to do that. How about this one? You know, oh, am I my brother's keeper? Mm. Uh, yes, you are. <laughs> yep. Yes, you are. You know, uh, and so once again, uh, Jacob goes on his way. And of course, uh as he's going on his way, he's going to have another experience, spiritual experience. Angels of God met him, and, and he calls the place Mahanaim, two hosts or camps. Mm. Angels of God come. Let's, let's read that. Uh, Genesis 32, verses 1 and 2, Ryan, if you could read that. Uh, it says here, and we probably do three as well. Uh, it says, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir and the country of Edom. Wow. So, so you know, when you see these theophanies and you see these incredible things happening, Ryan, oh, yeah. uh, we know that uh, we, we have some incredible theophanies happening with Melchizedek and Abram. You know, we, we call that a, a theophany of Christ. Uh, we have, of course, uh, God appearing. Uh, he uh, remember God appears with two angels to Abraham and they have lunch. Oh yeah. So what I'm saying to all of you is that I believe we're on the verge of theophanies in our personal lives and as the as the as the house of Israel as a whole. I really believe that you know as this story uncovers, uh, even even with Jacob coming back and having all these experiences about going back to the land. You know we as non-Jews or, or the Gentiles or the nations, I believe we're going to have some incredible experiences. In the spirit realm. Remember, Moses had the burning bush. That was like mm-hmm. a theophany. And, and, and he said, who, who should I say? Send me. I am. You know, and so once again, uh, uh, Joshua has, a, has an experience, a spiritual experience with, with a theophany. He says, take your sandals off your own holy ground. That was told to Moses and to Joshua. Right. Because you're in the presence of God. You don't take your shoes off for an angel. No. So, so that's why we see a theophany. It's actually a divine being. It's divinity. You're actually witnessing divinity. And that's why Yeshua is Yahweh. Yahweh is Yeshua. We believe that. You know, I, I was thinking about this, uh, it, just the point of when Yeshua was saying in the Gospel of John, apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. That means he's God. Yeah. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's a part of the Godhead. So remember that, everyone. Uh, we definitely believe in the Godhead. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. They're a God. So now Jacob is coming back. He's got all these thoughts. All he knows is that, man, when, when, when Isaac dies, Esau says he's going to kill me. I had to get out of here. So how many years had passed? 20 years mm-hmm. had passed. And so Jacob's going to send messengers uh, to the country of Edom. And uh, he's going to send them to Esau, his brother. So that's what yeah, he's doing. And it sounds like it was seven years of, of servitude, then another seven years of servitude. And then this last six years, they were kind of on equal playing ground. They had kind of, a, of an agreement about wages. Right Now he's he's receiving right. some wealth after having served that's for right. 14 years. And of course, you know, we know that Esau become the what? The Edomites. That's right. And, and so once again, this is also where you, you're going to get Amalek, mm. you know, so you think about the sibling rivalry and everything. And, and even the Jews know among the Arabs that they're related yeah, because of Ishmael. Well, and they intermarry. You know? And we know that the scriptures are very clear that Isaac gets the blessing. Yeah. They you know? intermarry with Ishmael. So, actually. so yeah. So, so this, this is actually unfolding 
And, and as we begin to uh, close this out, uh, we have a question here on our outline. What two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion? Vayetzi, he departed. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, all the way through chapter 32 and verse 3 from a consensus of the group. This is what we do every week. So let me just throw out just one of mine. I don't have two, but I just want to give you one. Oh, good. I'll take one of yours. You can have it, because this is what I see, Ryan. Okay. Because we're involved in the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement, we have to do it his way. He's told us we've been grafted in. He's required us to do the Shabbat. We keep the dietary laws. You know, we, we do the Torah portions, we keep the feasts, you know, these are, these are just Hebrew roots 101, simple things, you know, and so we are doing that. But, but, you know, if you think about it, you know, even in regards to the land, I would love to live in the land of Israel. And that's a promise. Mm -hmm. If you are grafted in, you have the opportunity to live in the land or to be there. Yeah. You know, it talks about the nations coming up during the thousand year reign of Yeshua, but I don't want to be coming up from the nations. I've already lived in Brandon. I graduated from here. <laughs> I want to go to another place. Oh yeah. I got the traveling bug, you know, I go to books a million. They got all the travel books yeah. and they have the magazines. They have this beautiful magazine said Scotland, you know, or <laughs> Ireland, you know, and I'm like, at least I'm closer to Israel than yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? You can drive. So I'm just checking it out. You know, we think we think America's so great, and, you know, uh, we just had Sarah and her family come back from St. Augustine, supposedly one of the oldest known cities in, in the nation, recognized as such. But, I mean, you're only talking, what, 300 years? I don't know, four or 500 years? But anyway, oh, like 600, think but yeah. about, you know, Europe and, 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 and Israel. I mean, Beersheba right now, in archaeological digging, they got five layers of civilization. 5,000 years of, of layers, yeah. 5,000 years of occup occupation Wow! at Beersheba. And that's like the fifth largest city in Israel. So, so, so that's my thought. So don't try to manipulate God in, into doing his will because he's going to do it. Oh, yeah, he is. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to lie. Just be honest. That's right. And that's what Ryan and I are trying to do on this podcast. We believe what we're saying. We yeah. know it's scriptural. And our faith is living it out in our families and in our community, everyone. So... If you have any questions or any concerns, contact us. Let us know. But we love you. We appreciate you. I'm going to let Ryan close it out in his last thoughts. But that, that's, just, that's just my understanding of being in this movement for over 20 years. Don't manipulate it. Don't try to make it happen. Be honest. Be sincere. All right. Yeah, well, there's another point. You're trying to steal one of mine there. All right. So uh, oh, my first point was the tithe is relevant today still. All right. Don't be a cheapskate. Just, just, just give back to God what is His. It belongs to Him, anyways. Um, it brings blessings. It's a, it's a promise of Scripture. It's a principle. Uh, my second point was, and this one I'm speaking from personal experience. If you make an agreement, if it's good enough to shake hands on, it's good enough to put in writing. Oh, put something in writing. Oh yeah, get agreements. I like that. Get agreements in writing. Why? Because then it's clear, right, for both parties. That's good. And then. Uh, Number uh, number number two B or three, I guess I would say, is don't lie, don't deceive, don't steal. It never works out well. In the end, your sins will find you out. Even if the Lord forgives you and you are headed towards an eternal paradise, there are still earthly consequences to your earthly mistakes. So uh, those are my points. Man, what a cool Torah portion. And you know what? I think we didn't mention. This is the Torah portion, um, and he departed. 
the the from the week that Pastor Randy passed away, correct? You know, th- this is the Torah portion. Uh, November seventeenth, two thousand and two, he departed. Yeah, it was that around yeah. that time. And then just a reminder that the half Torah is found in Hosea, yeah, where it mentions, "Oh, death, where is thy sting?" So if you want to look up this particular Torah portion, that's fine. And then of course look up the half Torah. But how how amazing was that? That he, and he departed. Yeah, and he departed. Yeah, he did. Yeah, wow, wow. that's awesome. So thank you guys for listening. Um, we are going to be here same time next week. Uh, we appreciate all you guys listening. Go ahead and give us reviews. Send me an email if you have questions or you need anything. Uh, we would love to hear from you. It's Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at topraise.net. You can call the office at 813-654-2222. You can live stream our services online at topraise.net or any of our social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and the like. Uh, God bless you guys. Have a great week.